bitterness. We have looked at the effects of bitterness. And today we would conclude with overcoming bitterness. Amen. Look at somebody, tell them you will overcome bitterness. Tell another you will overcome bitterness. Hallelujah. Um, our first scripture, or the first thing we want to look at in overcoming bitterness, I'm going to give you five pointers, five things to do and to know in overcoming bitterness. Number one, acknowledge that there is bitterness in your life and ask for forgiveness. Acknowledge. Somebody say acknowledge. Acknowledge that there is bitterness in your life and ask for forgiveness. James chapter 3 verse 13 to 18. James chapter 3 Verses 13 to 18. James chapter 3. James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. 14. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. Hallelujah. Many people are bitter, but they have rationalized the bitterness. Okay, 15. This wisdom does not descend from above. But it is earthly, it is sensual, and above all, it is demonic. Amen. Scripture says it is earthly, it is sensual, and it is demonic. When there is bitterness, you need to acknowledge that I am bitter about something. That I, I, I need help with this thing. There are many people who are bitter, but they have, they have justified and rationalized the bitterness. They are blaming everybody else but themselves. They are blaming the situation. They are blaming the circumstances. They are, they are pointing fingers at everybody. It is this, it is that. But you need to understand that you as a person is the one who bears the brand of bitterness more than anybody else. You the one harboring the seed of bitterness. You the one harboring bitterness. You are the one who suffers the most. Forget how you treat other people. At the end of the day, you are the person who will suffer the most because of the bitterness that you carry. And that is why you need to acknowledge. That is why 14, go back to 14. 14 says that, but if you have bitter envy, do not boast and lie against the truth. The truth is clear. The truth is there. You are bitter. Accept it and ask for forgiveness. Ask for God to empower you to overcome it. Amen. By now, if you are bitter, you should know you are bitter. Because we have done so many, the, the manifestations of bitterness. We have done how it manifests, the evidences, the, the characteristics, the things that show. We have done it all. Where you people cannot even celebrate the successes of others. You know you are bitter. Where, can I go there? Where somebody just landed a job, but you, can't, you are not happy for them because it just reminded you that you are jobless. Have you been there before? Somehow you are bitter, but you need to acknowledge 
the bitterness and ask God for forgiveness. Where as soon as you see the individual, because it reminds you every time you see the, the face, the pain comes back again. It's like you are reliving the pain again. Reliving the experience again. Every time that name, particular name is mentioned, it is like you are reliving it. I remember my grandmother um, several years ago when I was, I was young, I was a child, and we would go there for holidays. There is a particular politician. Whenever he comes on the television, she will either put off the TV or change the channel to somewhere else. Hallelujah. And I, I didn't understand because usually, because she, she, she doesn't quite get everything in English, when it's time for news, she would insist that I sit by her and as they are speaking the English, I'm translating the news to her. But immediately this person comes, says, change it. Later on, I found out that there was an experience she had in the hands of this particular politician that has let, you know, put pain in her heart and bitterness. That every time she sees this person, she still remembers that pain that she goes through and doesn't even want to see the person at all. This is real life I'm sharing with you. So one day, I jokingly went to ask her, you know what, this thing, the way you are so bitter about it, one day, one day, me, I'll become a politician. And I'll be a politician in that person's party. What would you do? She says, I will take my time. Enter the polling booth. Look at your face and vote against you. <laughs> Hallelujah. The pain was there. The thing happened several years ago. But she still lived that pain. She walked in the reality of that pain. Amen. You see, sometimes people are going through a lot of, people have gone through a lot of experiences that has left pain in their heart. But if you are like that, you need to acknowledge that you are bitter about something and let it go. Hallelujah. What are you bitter about this morning that you are failing to acknowledge yourself? You give your heart to somebody. Person took your heart, looked at it, smashed it on the ground, stomped on it, and says, don't shout. Stepped on it, says, don't shout. So every time you see the person, you remember the experience. Somebody defined um, love as giving your heart to somebody with a gun pointed at it and believing they will shoot you. Amen. Because usually it is only people that are close to you, people that are friends, that are loved ones, that can hurt you. I've told you, your an enemy can't 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 uh, betray you. It is not possible for an enemy to betray you. Only friends betray you. Because your enemy is not even your friend in the first place to betray you or betray your trust. So if you have experienced pain, it is by somebody that was a loved one. That somebody that you were close to. Somebody that you trusted. If there is pain in your heart, bitterness, acknowledge it and begin to ask God for forgiveness. This is the first step to overcoming bitterness. What you need to understand is that the experience you have had, although it is a tough experience and it is a difficult experience, there is always somebody who has had it worse than you. Amen. There is always 
always, always somebody whose experience will make yours look like a picnic. And so come to the place where you don't harbor it in your heart. You acknowledge it and you release it and you ask God for forgiveness. Look at this other scripture, Proverbs 14.10. Proverbs 14.10 Can we read it together? Ready, go. One more time. For the last time. Okay, and a stranger does not share his joy. So I'm focusing on the first part. The heart knows its own bitterness. You know. Your heart knows. That is why when the name of a loved one is mentioned, there is a way your heart responds. When the name of somebody you dislike is mentioned, there is a way your heart responds. Because your heart knows. You can deceive people with your face and smile and fake a smile and pretend, but your heart knows. You can meet somebody you don't like and your facial expression is It's nice and everything, but in your heart, you can't pretend because your heart knows. Your heart knows. The Bible says the heart knows its own bitterness. If you are bitter, you can sit in church all right and pretend like you are fine, but your heart knows that you are bitter. There are many people, I told you last week, last two weeks, who are bitter about their parents. Especially those born into homes with stepmothers and stepfathers and stepchildren. Oh, do I have a witness? To so, so shout, people will think that I'm, it, you are the one I'm talking about. One shout. Hallelujah. Yeah, especially in homes where there are steps. People are stepping on the stepchildren. They didn't understand the meaning of the step. They think it means step on them. And so, they have grown up in the same household, in the same place, but in their hearts, they can't wait to get out. In their hearts, they wish there was no communication. They wish they didn't even have to. They pick calls from their steps, stepmother, stepbrother reluctantly because they, they are bitter. I'm talking about somebody right now. There are people who are not even step. They are in the same house. One father, one mother, but still... Because when they were young, all the way to the time that they have become adults, the father thinks that this one is the star of the family. This one is doing well. Even in school, they say, ah, why can't you be like this other brother? He's always first. Look at you. You, I am not proud of you. You are disgracing the family. And so they grow up and they are bitter about this other one because in their minds, the parents like only this one. Acknowledge it and let it go. Amen. Listen. Parents, if it was only education that makes people succeed in life, eh? like there won't be any poor person with a certificate if it was only education. Look around you. Those that have made it, a lot of them don't even have the papers you are looking for. It takes more than education. So calm down and don't sow seeds of bitterness in your children. I feel like I'm talking to somebody. Don't sow seeds of bitterness. Seeds of bitterness. One of the things, when I was in secondary school, form two, Pastor Michael always laughs at me 
about with this particular issue. But I was bitter. Because when we had just come in Form 2, I joined the boarding house in Form 2. And they, what they usually do in the first two weeks before the Form 1s come is that because the Form 2s were used to be Form 1s in the boarding house and they used to do all the work virtually, the new boarders that have just joined in Form 2, they will use them as if they were Form 1s till the real Form 1s come. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. So their own mates in Form 2 will be the ones sending them around and punishing them and go and scrub here and do that. And because they don't know that they are their mates, they think they are their seniors. And you see people scrubbing, you see us scrubbing and running around when our own mates are the ones dictating to us. When I found out they were my mates, I was bitter. That day, if you ask him, I decided, I told him, from that day, I said, me, I am going to join the SRC. And I'm going to teach all these people a lesson. I'm tell- I was one of the most ruthless SRC executives in the land. You let me pass. And, let me- and one of the rules in Pesek is that you can't, you- kneeling down is an offense. Kneeling down. I, I didn't say kneeling down is a pa- kneeling down is the offense. It is like stealing. Yes, it is like um, breaking bounds. So when you are found kneeling, you will be punished for kneeling. I don't know if you understand. Kneeling down is an offense. So when I am passing and I see the prefect showing their muscles and punishing people when they are kneeling, as soon as I get there, I don't ask any questions. Get up, go. And they they had the meeting about me, and it was all because I was bitter. So I was firing left, right, center. I had to take working on myself and on my heart to overcome it. There are many things. I, I know somebody who is bitter about something you think is nothing, but they are bitter about it. They went for a party. They didn't give them food. Bitter. They went for a funeral. No jollof. Bitter. They said they wanted chicken. They have been given fish. Bitter. Hallelujah. Acknowledge the bitterness and ask God for forgiveness. Number two. Number two. Try to live at peace with others. Try to live at peace with others. Try to live at peace with others. Everything about this sentence is important. Note, I didn't say live at peace with others. What did I say? Try to live at peace with others. Because in order to live at peace with others, it is a two-way street. I do my part, you do my part. But as long as it depends on you, live at peace with other people. As long as it is up to you, your your issue is to live at peace. Romans chapter... uh, 12 verse 18. Romans 12, 18. Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Have you seen that scripture? Terms and conditions apply. If it is possible, because there are times it is impossible, you are living with a man 
who is your husband who are threatening to kill you, slapping you, beating you, kicking you. Brother, sister, that one falls outside the realm of possibility. You, that one, find somewhere and go and sleep and, and save your life for the time being because it is outside the realm of, they will kill you. Because if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, as far as you are concerned, live at peace with all men. All men. It shouldn't be that you are the one preventing the peace. It shouldn't be that you are the one that is the obstacle to peace. It should rather be that as far as it depends on you, you are living in peace with all men. Not only the men that have done you well. Not only the men that have treated you well. Even those that have hurt you as far as possible. Try and live at peace with all men. Am I preaching to somebody now? Hebrews 12, 14. Hebrews 12, 14. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see God. Hebrews says, pursue peace with all people. Consistency here. Romans is saying the same thing. Hebrews is saying the same thing. Pursue peace with all men. You see, there is nobody... Put up 1 Peter 21, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22. There is nobody who faced injustice, who faced pain and hurt than Jesus Christ. To be guilty, to be pronounced guilty when you are clearly innocent. For people to just look at you and not like you. For them to declare that they are going to end your life. For you to be beaten and lashed. For you to be treated like a non-entity. For your integrity to be questioned. For your own people to give you out to outsiders and strangers to finish you. For, for you to be spat on in the days where there are no pepsodents. For you, right in, in, in your presence, for them to put thorns on your head and mock your kinship. And these are the people you created by yourself and, and were created and made for your glory. For you to be pierced in the side. For you to be denied even water when you ask for it and be given vinegar instead. For your clothing to be torn and be bet on right in your presence whilst you are dying. For you, for people to mock you and for the heathen to throw and, and point their fingers at you and call you uh, uh, um, a thief and put you in the midst of robbers. And he's still saying forgive them. I'm not sure your experience can be compared to that of Jesus. 22 says, Who committed no sin? This is Jesus' testimony. Nor was deceit found in his mouth. He didn't lie. He committed no sin. 23. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But committed himself to him who judges righteously. Even when he was reviled, even when um, um, people maltreated him, he said nothing. He just handed himself and committed himself to him who judges righteously. Because the point is that no unrighteous man can judge righteously. 
Are you with me now? And so if you are looking for justice and righteous judgment, it can only flow from God. And that is why in it all, you just commit it in the hands of the Lord. As far as it depended on Jesus, in spite of everything that he went through, he still said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As far as he was concerned, in spite of the uh, injustice that Jesus suffered, he still tried to live at peace with them. There are times he goes to places to even go and perform miracles that benefit the people and yet they have laid ambush for him that he has to run away with his disciples. And he kept going. He kept going and he kept going. Try to live at peace. You will enter some uh, compound houses and there's war. And the person sitting in Pabitri Chapel Grace Temple is the person fueling the war in the compound house. When they are in church, they are like doves. When they are in the house, what are they like? Wolves, eh? They are like Jata. Not just birds. Hallelujah. Try to live at peace. The scripture we read in James spoke about the worldly wisdom. The world have, have their own definition of what to do in those circumstances. This is, we are not part of that kingdom. It says, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Number three, Number three. Number three. Pray for the one that hurt you. Pray for the one that hurt you. Today it is not very popular. The sermon is not too popular, but it is it is powerful nonetheless. Matthew 5:44. Pray for the one that hurt you. You pray for them and leave them. Pray for the one that hurt you and leave them. This is Jesus speaking. Can we read it? Ready? Go. Yes. Okay. 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 Pray for those who do what? Spitefully use you. They have used you spitefully. And he says, pray for them. Yes, I am by no means pretending that what I am telling you is easy. I am just telling you that that is what we have to do. You and I both. You have, do you know one of the most used group of people in this world is pastors? You don't know. Somebody doesn't even attend church. It is time for his wedding. They have just realized that they need a pastor for the wedding. They are coming to call you. Somebody doesn't go to church. Their mother just died the other day. They want a pastor to come and they will come and call you. Some everyday pastor, pastor, pastor. They will use you after that. They will see you. You will see them again. They had a dream, pastor. Their food choked them, pastor. They don't have money, pastor. They are not feeling too well, pastor. The car is stuck in the rain, pastor. Armed robbers came to the house, pastor. But it says, pray for them who spitefully use you. If, if we tell you stories of 
how you will be used as a man in ministry. You may decide that you will be so bitter you will even do the work again. That is why Jesus said, pray for them. Have you been used before? Oh, have you been used before? Ah, come on, talk to me now. Have you been used before? Let me give you an example of being used. Where you have certain contacts on your phone who only call you when they have an issue. Have you been there before? There are some calls. The only time those calls are coming, you know that they are calling me because they need me. After their needs have been met, that's all. You not hear from them again. Three months, four months, then another call comes because another need has arisen. And you realize that are, you are being used. Notice that I said, pray for them. I didn't say become a tool for use. I didn't say continue being used. Neither did Jesus. He said, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Hallelujah. That is why some of the prayers we pray sometimes, there's a problem with it. So let's pray for our enemies. We are killing them. You need to understand that the ultimate enemy or enemies we are dealing with or battling against is the devil and his cohorts, demons. They are the ones we are battling against. Any other person that is being used, but they shouldn't die. They should be there and see the Lord raise us and lift us up. What do you think? Yeah. Because And they're just as Jesus is the lamb and the lion. If we show them lamb and they will not submit, we will roar like the lion of the tribe. What are you talking about? But the Bible says, pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Imagine that auntie that you don't like, Jesus says, pray for her. That uncle that you don't see eye to eye with, he said, pray for them. The problem, see, the reason why we are not praying for them is not because we don't want to obey or it is difficult. Many people don't even pray for themselves or their friends, how much more their enemies. You have not even finished praying for yourself. How do you now carry an enemy's prayer issue? Number four. Number four. Respond with kindness and grace. Respond with kindness and grace. Respond with kindness and grace. Romans chapter 12. Verses 17 to 21. Respond with kindness and greatness. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. It is possible as much as it depends on you. Live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Vengeance is who? Talk to me now. Vengeance is who? Mine, saith the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, do what? Oh, talk to me now. Do what? 
These are serious things. Though. If your enemy is hungry, once again, the problem is that even our friends, when they come and we are eating, we hide the food. <laughs> How much more enemies? When your enemy is hungry, feed him. When he is thirsty, do what? Give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Look at Proverbs 25, 21. Romans is quoting almost verbatim from Proverbs chapter 25 and 21. If your enemy is hungry, do what? Give him bread to eat. So the scripture was quoted from Proverbs. And it says, if he is thirsty, give him water. 22. For so you will heap coals of fire on his head, and the Lord will reward you. He's already said that vengeance is mine. Vengeance is mine. Don't, don't, don't usurp God's place. Don't take his place. He says, vengeance is mine. Leave the vengeance to him and do what he has asked you. Why? Because he will reward you. Repay evil with kindness. That's how bitterness will leave your heart. Yeah? It says, don't pay evil with evil. That is the standard of the world. That is the the structure, strategy by which the world rolls. For us, he says, don't repay evil with, with evil. So, that's not that's not the anthem in this kingdom he says by so doing you heap coals of fire on their head you know there are times that I'll be walking and somebody I know the Lord just opened my eyes or ears and I saw them or heard them talking about me in a way that's unfavorable. They're just saying so many things and they had said this and said that. I just listened to them in the spirit. And when I, once I'm done hearing everything they said and I see them physically, I'll go to them. Hey, it's been long. How are you? Ah, last time, this we'll chat. And you see, by the time they leave, they are confused. Because they just went somewhere to malign me and here I am laughing with them. What I have done, I have poured coals of fire on their head. As for the coals, they are with you. It's either you pour it or you let it burn you and finish you. The choice is yours. After all, when they say good morning and you respond good morning, you won't die. Yeah? After all, when they say how are you and you say I am fine, your life will not end there. They will go about now, you have made them, you have Turn them into, into people who are not clear in their minds anymore. They are thinking, hey, Jema Ojin Bibi, Jema Obeyemi Bibi, Jema Wati Bibi. They don't know. Because you have just confused the enemy. Imagine, like the children of Israel, and this is Jericho. And the Bible says, because of the children of Israel, they, they closed the gate of Jericho. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe suffer. Maybe if the gates were opened and they could just use it as a route, they could have gone through it and, and gone peacefully, maybe. 
The Bible says it was because of the children of Israel that the people of Jericho closed down the gate and shut down the city. So they are denying them access. They have declared war from the get-go. And what, what do the children of Israel do? What do they do? They are just going around the city. And the Bible says they, did, they were commanded the first set of rounds to just keep quiet, say nothing. And they are just go. imagine you are part of Jericho and the children of Israel are just going around your city, they are not saying anything. Maybe your soldiers are on the wall insulting them, they are not saying anything. Maybe they are pointing arrows at them, pointing ammunition at them, they are not saying anything. And they are just going around. Imagine the confusion in Jericho. When your enemy is not responding, it's not saying anything. And suddenly, when they got ready to say something to, it was not directly to them. They were just, they pointed their praise and the shout to heaven. If we could come to the place where we will not give attention to our enemy, but if we have something to say about the situation, let us turn our focus onto the hills from whence comes our help and direct every pain to God, direct every prayer to God, direct everything we have to say to the King of Kings, to the one who says, I will avenge you. Don't fight the battle yourself. The God himself has decided that I will fight for you. I will stand with you. He says, I am the one who has promised you that vengeance is mine. If somebody causes you pain, don't go and jump into that compound and scream and shout out for everybody to know that they have hurt you. You think today that you are convincing them that your WhatsApp is there. But whilst you are shouting and screaming, they are behind you gossiping about you. Just keep quiet and give them the silent treatment. And turn to heaven and begin to scream your lungs out to God. I see God coming through for somebody and coming to avenge your situation. I know you are in pain, but he's coming through for you. I know you have been hurt, but he's coming through for you. Listen to me. I have seen people whose pictures have been taken to places for no reason. They have done nothing. They have done nothing at all. Just because you are doing well, somebody has picked your picture and has sent it somewhere. We just summon them to the King of Kings and the Lord of Hosts, who judges righteously, that in this matter, let his mighty right hand rise and come through for us. We will not come to you and engage you in any conversation. It is not a debate. It is not a quarrel. It is a matter that our God will come through for us. Lift up your right hand, shout yes. Respond with grace. Confuse them. Confuse them. Is there something in the food? Does he want to poison me? We will set confusion in your camp. One, one day, one elder uh, son of our general overseer. He's, he's an elder in the church of Pentecost. He went, when they moved him to his new district or his new assembly, church. And uh, some people came. They brought food and stuff, truffles. They brought food, food. They said, oh, um, elder, you have just come, so we just want to give you this food to welcome you. He took it. He was just about to eat and he just held had a boy that don't eat this thing. He felt so strongly about it. So he threw it away in the dustbin somewhere at the back of the house. Washed the bowl and everything, bowls, and then prepared it for the person to come for it. The person came for it, took the bowl and said, ah, elder, why didn't you eat the food? Why didn't you eat the food? It's a, it's a major question for three points. Stuffle says, why? 
didn't you eat them? How did he know that he didn't eat them? The only way he knew is because there was a particular response or consequence to eating the food. And that consequence didn't happen. So because it didn't happen, it has registered that the food was not eaten. You have just confused the enemy. He's confused. He doesn't know how to react. Does he know? Does he not know? Kindness. Like your HR doesn't like you. Or to a promotion. So, and so who be a not knows this? Only so only. Also, then I sleep. Or quite not in Timu Bunifo. I said, I make a no. I yard that bar had not. Oh, Lord. Respond with kindness. Respond with kindness. Respond with grace. With grace. With kindness. There was a time I went to preach for this pastor several years ago. Powerful service. Powerful service. After ministering, the pastor said, Come in, uh, so for man of God, I'll come and see you. I'll come and see you. Do you know what I'll come and see you means? You know, after you have gone to preach, usually you have to say an apostolic thank you. You have to, you have to say the goodbye well. Find oh, some nice envelope and bless you. After you didn't fly to the place, you drove. You bless God's people. So a small thank you. The man said, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll come and see you later. Two years after that, I never set my eyes on him. I never called him. Me, I won't call you. I won't ask you. Nothing. I just live my life. But you won't feed me. God, when he called me, already knew that there will be people like that who I'll preach for who will mind me. So you were part of the plan for, of God for my life. So I see you as part of my story and my journey. I won't call you, I'll ask you <laughs> About two years down the line after that incident, I was doing all night service here and this man came. He was sitting right here. He was shocked at the place he had entered. Because he didn't know me from Adam. Somebody recommended me to him and he invited me. He thought he was doing me a favor by inviting me. So I was one of those people who don't have church, who don't preach who are anointed that he is giving platforms. Mind you, this person's church was under a tent when I went to preach for him and poured my heart out. He came here. Now, every time you send your message, oh, man of God, how are you and the family? We have missed you. I said, ah, we are doing very well. Me, I have missed you. Case close. He is looking. In fact, this last week, he sent me a message. He's looking for how to invite me again. That door is already closed. That key is gone. But as for the kindness and the grace, I will show you. Because we are all in this kingdom together, representing the kingdom. When he asks, when he calls, I pick, how are you? I'm, I'm blessed. I say, hey. He says, I see you are doing so well. Uh, and and so, oh, yes, it is by God's grace. How are you doing well? They to ask you, how is the family? Oh, wow, powerful. When I say answer, or respond with grace and kindness. I am not saying go and tie your cloth to the cloth of your enemy 
and put your arm around their necks and become besties all of a sudden. I didn't say that. I said, respond with grace and kindness. But don't remain a tool that will be used spitefully. Hallelujah. Last point. Last point. Last point. Forgive them from your heart. Forgive them from your heart. Our first scripture in Proverbs 14.10. Put it back, back, back again for a second. And then prepare to put up Matthew 18.21 and 22. You remember this scripture? When we're discussing it, I said, the Bible says, the heart knows its own bitterness. The heart knows. And so if you've truly forgiven somebody also, the heart knows. If you've truly released somebody, the heart knows. That is why I said, forgive them from your heart. Don't harbor them. Forgive them from your heart. I understand that they caused you pain, but forgive them from your heart. Matthew 18, 21. I understand that the experience was bitter. So, man of God, you don't know it. You don't, you don't understand. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know. You, you, don't, you just don't understand. Thank God it's not up to me or my understanding. Scripture says, forgive them from your heart. Okay, Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came and said, I said, Lord, who else will ask such a question if not Peter? Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And Peter is asking, up to seven times, answer. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven, which is 490. Is that it? Is that it? Is that it? I understand, I understand. I understand. See, I am a dear. I understand. <laughs> I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. The emphasis here is not so much on the exact figure of 70 times seven. It's just to let you know that don't waste your time counting. Just forgive them. But how would you know if you're at number 357? Shannon, what's awful? I've forgiven you up to number 335. I've forgiven you up to number 420. You have only 70 forgivenesses left. You will see. No. The, the, the message here is that forgive them. From your heart, just forgive them, forgive them, forgive them, forgive them. Look at somebody say, I forgive you. Or no, look into their eyes and tell them, You, I forgive you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. Now, now, this is what I want you to do. That person that has hurt you, mention the name in your head. And then shout, I forgive you. One, two, go. Mention it in your head, though. Don't say it. If you say it with your mouth right now, 
Somebody sitting by you. Look at Pastor Yafi. He says, Prisek, I forgive you. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. He says, forgive them. Peter is asking, Charlie, the way these people are, how many times should I forgive my brother? And Jesus says, 70 times 7. Emphasis on, not so much on the exactness of the figure. Just forgive them. Just forgive them. Be ready. And, and this is why. Matthew chapter 6. As we end. Matthew chapter 6, 14 and 15. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your father will also do what? Forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespass. It's a very serious scripture. Very, very serious scripture. That must always be at the back of our minds when dealing with the transgressions and trespasses of men. I've told you that as long as you have life and as long as you are breathing and you are in the land of the living, as long as the world is not made up of just you and more yous, but you and other people, people will step on your toe. People will hurt you. People will cause, cause you some pain. But be at the place where you forgive their trespasses. Have you seen the Lord's Prayer? It says you should do what? Forgive our trespasses. Ask what happens. As we also forgive those who trespass against us. Do you know what you have done? You have, you have just done there. God, forgive my trespass as I forgive those who trespass against me. As I refuse to forgive those who trespass against me, don't forgive me my trespass. That's basically what you are saying. Forgive them. It is painful, but forgive them. It is some of the things people do is mindless and wickedness, but forgive them. We are not of the children of this world. Our place is different. Our standard is different. The expectation on us as we walk through the world is different. And so forgive them that hurt you. I want you to lift up your right hand. In the next few minutes, you want to pray that the Lord empowers you to forgive even those that have hurt you, to live at peace with all men as far as it depends on you, to release those that have caused you, uh, caused you some pain or some bitterness, to genuinely forgive them. Just want to pray in the next few minutes so that any iota or any um, seed or root of bitterness anywhere in your life, you just want to release it. You just want to release it. You just want to release it. You want to pray from the corridors of your heart. You just want to go to God and say, rid me of bitterness. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Any bitterness, any bitterness, any persons that you need to forgive, that you will forgive them genuinely, genuinely. Malosa talibarosa. Nigrado shanda la brasu. Hey, kabada daba. 
listening to the Apostle Josiah Aubin Jr. For more of these messages, please subscribe to his podcast and SoundCloud. It's Apostle Josiah Aubin Jr. To interact with him, like his page on Facebook, follow him on Twitter at Apostle Josiah Aubin Jr.